That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday to give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Uh, all right, so Jake, today we are living in a new world. It's different than the last time we recorded, and uh, I keep thinking about James chapter 4 which says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Mm. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So, uh, you and I are in a place where we had everything planned out. We had our Palm Sunday and Holy Weeks and Easter services all lined up, extra musicians, extra flowers, all the things that were going to happen. And um, it turns out we're missed. Yep. That got flushed down the toilet real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, ah, man, this, uh, this really... Um, I tell you what, I am profoundly heartbroken over the fact that we can't do Palm Sunday and uh, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter, um, except online, you know. And so this is the new world that we're in. And um, what we thought we'd do today is just basically um, because in a world where now every clergyman's online, you know, reading to you their favorite devotions and... um, flooding the airways, we thought we would keep this really um, concise and kind of uh, running a church in the age of Corona and, you know, running and preaching and thinking about that in the age of Corona in the context of Palm Sunday and Holy Week. And then uh, next week we'll drop um, kind of preaching and celebrating Easter in the age of Corona and kind of some ideas to help people along. So, but, um, so instead of uh, lamenting on what we were going to do, um, uh, Aaron, why don't you talk a little bit about the context in Waco and at St. Albans and, and what you guys are thinking about? Well, I think uh, we're seeing a lot of things that um, that are similar to other places in, in the country and other churches. Uh, we have all pivoted really quickly. Even stodgy old traditional Episcopal churches have pivoted to uh, moving services online. And the response has been incredible. Mm. And I have... Um, and I know you've seen the same at Calvary St. George's. I mean, all our stats are way up. We've had like 100 additional likes on our Facebook page. We've had thousands of people watching our videos, um, even if it's thousands. just for a few seconds. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, Let's Facebook go. tracks everything. Yeah. And it's like, you know, even if a three-second view is done, they count that. So I know. Um, to but, be honest, you know, I told gone, people that, too. We've had, you know, we normally have morning prayer at St. Albans, Monday through Friday at 7.30. On a good Sunday, if it's like packed, or a good Monday or day of the week, it's three people. We get like now 20 people tuning in for the whole service Monday through Friday. Mm-hmm. And I'll say this about that. It's not because it's visually compelling, because it ain't. 
It's not because the production <laughs> value is high. It is not. And um, it's not because morning prayer is exciting because it is not exciting. It's just somebody reading some prayers and some scripture. But this is the observation that I have from ministry in a time of Corona is that people have been made aware of their hunger for connection like never before. And they have been stripped of a lot of the things that used to distract and or numb them. And they have been made aware of the fragility of life that we are, as James says, missed, M-I-S-T, and that, uh, and people long for connection. They just desperately long for connection and to feel something that's even a tiny bit normal. And so that people are tuning into morning prayer and the Sunday services at St. Albans live, not because they're really well done or slick or because we're so great. They're doing it because they just really want a connection. And, you know, this has been driven home so powerfully by the fact that you and I have now been doing pastoral ministry in a time where we can't touch people and we can't gather together, which are some of the most powerful things we have in pastoral ministry. I mean, I did a funeral last week and I felt like I couldn't hug the family of the deceased, which was just a crazy feeling. And you realize how important just human compassion via appropriate safe church touching is. <laughs> and um, and to not be able to do that, I felt like I was, it was like, I'm not comparing myself to Superman here, but when Superman has, he's been hit with kryptonite and he loses all his powers. Like I just felt like I was powerless. I couldn't use the thing that is one of the most powerful things that pastor can, which is just to offer a comforting hug or a handshake or something like that. Just not being able to do that. And to not be able to really gather together, it just, it, it felt so weird. So it's made me see how important what we do is and how important connection is and how to the extent that we can still offer anything like that, even if it's a lame Facebook Live video, we have to do it. And that, so that's what we've seen here. Mm. What about New York? Yeah, I think uh, I think the same thing. Um, you know, I think people are beginning to realize just how... Uh, profoundly disconnected they were. Um, And I think the other thing that this is really opening up, you know, um, same old song is SOS, you know, and uh, that also means save our souls. And even in a city like New York, where everybody is standing on their own two feet, I mean, you know, and or so they think, um, we have been in a very raw way put in touch with death and um, and the reality that you we're all going to die. And, um, mm-hmm. and so, and I think that, um, what I've seen too is, is one of the great blessings and gifts of Mockingbird and ministries like Mockingbird and, and 1517 also is that, um, you know, we've been talking about human fragility for a long time. We've been talking about, um, everybody's need for a savior for a long time. It's not to toot our horn or anything like that, but th- this is, this message is true. And I tell you, I was talking to a, a couple of, uh, a couple of parishioners, you know, live streaming other things. And, you know, and the, the message of we can all get through this together and this message that we're all going to make it, you know what I mean? And we just need to be stronger and uh, chin up um, is ringing very hollow right now. And also, you know, uh, what people want to know and are hungry for in this moment is who is going to save me. And yeah. um, that is the question on everybody's mind in uh, at least in New York. Yep. So I think, you know, you and I talked about, uh, before we started recording the, um, the preaching in a, in an age of Corona, kind of the, um, the, the number one or the, the top five things to do. And, um, uh, and, 
uh, which I just sent you via text so you can see where I'm going with this. Uh, the first thing uh, that we talked about is sort of to keep it short, especially if you're doing these midweek live stream services. And I think people are mostly doing that. But just know that people need to hear one word, yeah. uh, which is the word of the gospel, the word of eternal life in Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, the second thing, and I, this was your point, I think it was really good. Don't use the pulpit for therapy. Um, you know, you preacher are anxious and stressed and are a human. And so just make sure you have your own ways of coping with that appropriately and in a healthy way. Um, talk to your friends, use Zoom, not for another God awful meeting, but for uh, gathering together with friends uh, for a drink or just for tea or just to hang out. Um, yeah. A anything else you'd want to say about that before we move on to three, four, and five? Yeah. Well, I mean, no. I would. I would say that, and I think that that um, feeds into three, four, and five. Um, in that, well, don't use the pulpit for therapy and talk about you know your feelings all the time. There's nothing wrong with being honest. That's about, number three. Yeah, what's going on in your life. And uh, and that should draw everybody by way of the word, by way of the word, because the word is the ultimate authority here uh, to um, to hope. And that, you know, um, on a profound level as Christians, we've already died. And so um, while um, death is our last enemy, which we must face, we know that Christ has conquered death. So you know, be honest, but you be hopeful, but use the word, the, the, the truth of the resurrection as the source of hope. Yeah. And so that's so number four in our five things in preaching in an age of Corona is be hopeful. And as you said, that hope is grounded in the word, that hope is grounded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that mm -hmm. hope is grounded in what God has done for us. It's not hope in the sort of worldly, we're all going to be fine mm -hmm. kind of way. Uh, it's not fake hope. It's real hope in Christ. Um, and then the fifth thing is preach a message, not platitudes. That's preach, right. preach the gospel. Um, uh, have something to say. And, and preachers, now more than ever, the message of eternal life um, is so important. Uh, to people that Jesus Christ has faced death and he's uh, defeated it and mm. he's emerged victorious from the grave. And so this is the message we have. Uh, and I think that fact that that Christ is for this world and the world to come and that that's key to the Christian message um, is just so important to talk about right now. Yeah. Well, looking at that in light of the holiest week of the year for us as Christians, which begins with Palm Sunday, Typically, we would be doing giant processions, you know, we go around the block and, um, and uh, you know, waving palms and singing Hosanna in the highest. Uh, this year, we're going to probably, um, we're going to attach the whole liturgy of the palms to morning prayer. And if you'd like to see uh, kind of our bulletin and what we're working on, I'd be happy to send it to anybody who'd like it. Um, you can email at info at Cal St. G. But, um, I mean, we have this bit very very powerful, powerful um, reading from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. That's the gospel and the liturgy of the palms. This is known traditionally as Jesus's triumphal entry. Yeah, and uh, so Palm Sunday is the high note, the really exciting part before you go down into the valley. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's going to, uh, you're really going to want to emphasize as much as you can whether it's through your live stream services or through a pre-recorded service or whatever means you do or an email to your parishioners where you send out this reading and ask them to reflect on it or all of those things combined together. Whatever you do, you really want people to see uh, that Jesus is... Um, 
the king of kings and uh, that that it's a day of praise, it's a day of hope, it's a day of rejoicing. Uh, um, but it also has this, there's a shadow across it as well because Jesus knows he's going to die. And I think there's something here too to say about the fact that Jesus, in the way he works in human affairs, is um, is mysterious. And often it looks like one thing is happening, but actually another mm. thing is happening. And so Jesus is entering, and the disciples and everybody think that he's entering to slay the dragon. Mm-hmm. They, and they think the dragon is Rome. They think he's going to fix the political, economic, and social problems um, that everybody has. And that's where they're saying Hosanna to the son of David. Son of David means you're the heir to the throne of Israel, like you're the king and you're going to come sit on the throne and you're going to kick out the Romans. And so uh, that's what they think is happening. And they're waving palms and they're really excited because they're, they, yeah, their liberator is here. Uh, but uh, God is working in a different way. Mm. Jesus is instead, everybody thinks he's, he's marching up a hill to a throne of glory. What he's really doing is marching down into the Kidron Valley uh, and to the Garden of Gethsemane to to um, sweating blood and to getting arrested and tortured and killed. And so what God is doing is he's going to face not what we think are our problems, but what our actual problems are, which is, and it, 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 this it will never preach more profoundly in your life than it will this, this time right. uh, around with coronavirus. He's mm. marching to face your death. He's marching to face the enemies that you cannot defeat, the enemies you cannot control. Um, death, and um, you know, which is the wages of sin. He's going to face the judgment of God, and and this is this is why people are terrified of death. People are terrified of death partially because they don't know what it is, but also because of hell. I mean, it's that sort of meeting your maker thing. Um, the reason we're scared to die is because we don't know what's going to happen afterwards, and we think there might be judgment that awaits in some deep psychological, profound level. And what God tells us in Christ is that he goes to meet those things for us so that we can face death unafraid, so we can face death sure of our salvation. Um, And even when we're not, because we're still human creatures and very frail, uh, that's why we come again and again every year to this reminder of what's actually true. And this year, maybe we'll get it. Yeah, I think uh, another thing you want to hit on, or you can hit on, is... um, this, this great idea, and I've, I've preached on this before, but on Palm Sunday, but the appearance is not the reality. And this is what I've been thinking a lot about. So, you know, we, we like to put off the appearance of, um, you know, we've got it together. We like to put off the appearance that we're strong and we're independent. But the reality is, is that um, we're weak. The reality is, is that um, we get scared uh, the reality is, is that uh, oftentimes, you know, when we're faced with uncertainties like this, we're fearful. And this is what's going on here in this passage right here. The appearance is not the reality. Um, the appearance is an out-of-control crowd of bumpkins uh, about to hail this Nazarene out of control. It's out of control, and uh, and they're about to hail this Nazarene as their king. Um, but the reality is, is that Jesus is in complete and total control. And uh, he is going on not the way they appeared that things should be, but in something completely different. Uh, by he is going to um, he is going to assume his throne by way of a cross, but to rise again and uh, to rise again and to truly assume a crown of glory. And so, but in this 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 passage, you have a lot of um, 
the appearance is not the reality, and that's being exposed right now. And, and the King of Glory meets you not in your appearance, but in your reality. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Yep. And, I, and I'll say, you know, the whole Holy Week uh, progression of events, it's part of an intentional narrative. And it really only makes sense when you see all the pieces together, Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, and Easter. And I think the key with uh, Palm Sunday, and again, it's a lot easier when you're inside a church and you have mm-hmm. music and choir and all that sort of stuff. But you you really want to um, to to make it as big and bright and beautiful as you can. Not necessarily Easter levels, but you're you're definitely going to want to make it to the extent that we can this year celebratory mm-hmm. because you want people to feel that that high, you know, hit that high note before we go down into the valley. You you don't want you don't want Palm Sunday to feel like Monday, Thursday, or Good Friday right. quite yet. Now you do have the reading of the Passion narrative. Um, I'm skipping it. Keep, yeah, uh, and I think that this year you have the opportunity. You could do it every year, but this year especially because services are so weird, you can make Palm Sunday just about Palm Sunday, not about the Passion, and you can save the Passion for Good Friday since nobody's going to work. A few people are going to work. <laughs> They can actually come to your, and they don't actually have to leave their house. And actually, they probably can't leave their house. So you can actually do Good Friday focused on the Passion. You do Palm Sunday focused on Palm Sunday, Maundy Thursday focused on the Last Supper, and Good Friday really on Good Friday and the death of Jesus Christ. So on that note, let's talk about Maundy and Good Friday. Mm. Um, Not Monday, not Monday, Thursday, Maundy Thursday from the Latin Mondatum, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Love one another, which is what Jesus says in that speech to his disciples on Maundy Thursday. So typically, this is the day where you have um, some churches do a foot washing. Usually, have communion if you're a communion having church, and you do that. This is the last time you do it before Easter. You strip the altar if you have an altar of all the altar hangings and flowers and candles, and you you leave the church bare at the end of this service. So not doing that this year, just whatever creative thing you're going to do, the readings are going to be that of the Last Supper, Jesus's betrayal and arrest and uh, being taken away. So Jake, what are the things that you're going to hit on for Maundy Thursday? Well, I love the readings on Maundy Thursday and Maundy Thursday is probably profoundly one of my, it's one, it's my favorite, one of my favorite services of the year. And, um, I love the passage of the Exodus because it connects the Eucharist and the, and the Christian celebration of communion to the Passover. It connects Jesus's death and resurrection to the Passover. So these two defining meals that have defined two religions, and it connects it, and it shows how uh, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. Um, but I think this year what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, really hit on um, where Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me. Like if you've ever been to a Passover Seder, when they do this, they, they remind everybody that this night is like no other night in the sense that they are brought into the moment. And so mm-hmm. when they do this in remembrance, they are being brought back to that first Passover Seder. And, you know, when we do this in remembrance of Jesus, we too are all also brought back into that meal. So what I think we're going to do at Calvary St. George's this year is that Ben DeHart and I are going to do a teaching on uh, the Lord's Supper and the meaning of the Lord's Supper. And so we're going to walk through that with everybody and so online. And so, yeah, I'm going to teach on the Lord's Supper. Aaron, if there were a couple of, uh, if there were a couple of things that you'd touch on from John, what would that be? Uh, so, yeah, I think um, there is a, a 
sometimes a, an attempt to see the Lord's Supper as a um, a fellowship meal with Jesus, you know, the kind of party he would have with sinners, like when he goes to Matthew's house or uh, Zacchaeus's house. Uh, and there's a movement towards that. And, and I would say that the scriptures don't really allow that because of Maundy Thursday. And you see, as you said in the Exodus passage, the idea is that a lamb is sacrificed. And because that blood is put over the doorways, the destroyer, death, does not come to that household. You're saved because of the blood which covers you. And it's at that meal that Jesus takes the cup and the bread and says, this is my body and this is my blood. So they're eating a sacrificial meal. They're eating a lamb that has been sacrificed for them to remind them of the sacrifice that saves them or that saved the Israelites um, at the first Passover. And Jesus is making a direct connection between himself and that meal. And so you can't really get away from the sacrificial element. And so that's always the thing that I want to emphasize in Monday Thursday, that Jesus sacrifices himself. And that's a huge part of what is going on here. But the other thing is that um, this Jesus displays his love because he knows that everybody at the table is about to betray him, and he still does it. He's not it's, it's, he's not waiting at the last moment to see if they finally like get it and maybe improve their performance or their understanding. They don't, and he still willingly gives himself. So I think there's a, a really huge display of God's grace for people that are so far from having it together. Now there is. Uh, the story in the Monday Thursday readings about um, the washing of the feet and Jesus does tell us to love others and to do that. And, and I think if you preach primarily and make this a sermon of law to go out there and love people like the way Jesus loves us, I think you missed the, the mm. kind of surprising point of this. That's right. Um, because one, everybody knows we're supposed to love each other. That's not news. And on the night of Monday, Thursday, in a time of coronavirus, just telling people to go out there and be nice people is not really going to, you're not, it's not going to do anything. What you have to say here, which is true, is that Jesus tells them these things and they immediately fail at doing it. Um, they all, you know... <laughs> Jesus says, be nice, love one another, I'm washing your feet. And and they can't even then stay awake with Jesus in the garden. Um, they all betray him, they all run away, they all leave him, and uh, and they don't love each other, they don't love him, and um, yet he still... So the, the idea here, the incredible idea, is that Jesus is the only one who ever has really done this, and he does it for us, mm. and he gives his... He, this, is, this is another example, like we've talked about through the season of Lent, um, where Jesus over and over and over lives the righteous life that you and I never could have, and he does it again here so that then he can give that to us on Good Friday and on Easter Sunday through his death and resurrection. So that's something that I would talk about. Um, one thing I do add to this service when we do Maundy Thursday, after the stripping of the altar and the washing of the altar, the last thing I do is I read the passage from um, Matthew chapter 26, starting at verses verse 36. And all I read is just the part where Jesus is arrested. Um, because if you don't, because this is what happens on the night of Maundy Thursday. And I always want to you know, have people understand. So the service is actually over. The altar stripped, everything's, and we're just kneeling. And I just read this passage of scripture and then I leave. And so that's something that is very powerful for people to, because if you just do the John reading, it's just, it's, it's a meal and then it's uh, foot washing. And it doesn't actually mm. tell you the narrative events, what happens next in the story, which is they go out, he kneels, he prays, 
the disciples fall asleep and then he gets arrested. Um, that's right. And that's where you want to leave people on Monday, Thursday. So the next day when they tune in for Good Friday, they're at the trial of Jesus with Caiaphas and, they, and Pontius Pilate and that whole thing. So if you can add the Matthew 26 reading in a way that makes sense, even if it's just telling your own people via an email or you say on your live stream, go home and read Matthew 26, verse 36 and following, uh, that's an important thing to add. Yeah, I think uh, this is um, uh, the Reverend Jay Gardner, who's the rector of uh, Grace Episcopal Church in Coleman, Alabama. He um, he reminded me one time that <clears throat> this is one when, when Paul talks about in Philippians uh, chapter 2, um, about, you know, although in the form of God counted equality with God something not to be grasped, but humbled himself to the point of death on the cross. This is Jesus going lower. So now he is taking, um, he is taking the form of a slave because only slaves mm-hmm. washed feet. And, uh, and then stay with us because tomorrow you're going to see him go even lower to death itself. And then we'll see him go even lower than that as he goes to hell. Uh, for three days. And, uh, you know, and so the idea here to remember is that this is God. um, uh, You think it's uh, low to go down to humanity. Well, just wait. He's now going to the lowest of humanity. And uh, stay tuned because tomorrow he's going to death. And uh, this leads us to Good Friday. Yep. And yeah, so on that note, when you do the the Passion reading and when you um, get to Good Friday, Make it as dark as you possibly can, which is to say, be honest about it. You don't actually have to make it dark. It is dark. It is the death of God. And the problem with the church is always to try to sugarcoat um, or kind of wallpaper over the horror of this uh, event. Um, And, you know, talk about the fact that crucifixion was the most humiliating death. Uh, It was death by torture, and it was um, only reserved for the lowest criminals and the slaves and the people you really, really, really wanted to humiliate to make them hang naked on a cross in torture and not relieve their pain. And I mean, the psychological and spiritual anguish of it is unbelievable. And you really want to make that clear because, again, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, it's many things, but it is also Jesus going to the darkest, lowest possible place for us. And he's not rescued at the last minute. He Mm. does die. Uh, And uh, this is a place right now where everybody in your congregation, you you don't need to look for other, other illustrations. We all know what this looks like. Everything we had been planning for this year, economically, socially, ecclesiastically, uh, that has all been just completely, uh, it's like, you know, like those, you see a, a video of a tsunami, a wave that comes through, just wipes out everything in its path. That's exactly kind of what's going on here. Yeah. And, um, that's, and what you want to say is in the death of Jesus Christ, it's God entering into the lowest places of humanity. And, um, and as you say, Jacob, even lower and, uh, there's not anything that you fear that Jesus hasn't already faced for you. Um, he has he has gone ahead, and and so you want to talk about that at Good Friday because there are people that are just in dark places. There are there are people who can no longer visit their parents who are mm-hmm. dying in nursing homes. Yep. Uh, there are people who are not being able to grieve properly. Yep. There are mm-hmm. um, people that are just feeling adrift and alone and isolated. It's just a rough time, and this is what Good Friday is about: God in those dark spaces. Yep. Um, 
to add to that, women whose husbands can't be with them as they uh, give birth, and you yep. know, uh, there's there's a lot of a lot of ideas being shattered here, and um, you got to be really really careful how you preach this though during this time of year. Like normally, I think we'd both be in agreement. We'd bring the we bring the hammer of the law and just crush it. You know, it'd be like uh, Thor with his hammer. Um, but uh, this, I mean, people are going to be on edge. And um, the uh, sensitivity of preaching at this time is really, really important. You cannot candy coat Good Friday. You can't candy coat Good Friday. It's a tough pill to swallow. But um, it is, I think, specifically maybe this year, I wouldn't end on just the total, complete despairing note. I would encourage people to, you know, um, to enter into that cry of dereliction and uh, let's mm-hmm. join. My God, my God, why have you forsaken yeah, me? Yeah, and and let's just see where it goes together. And, um, you know, uh, because the truth is, is that our God is the God who kills, but he's also the God who raises the dead. And on a profound level, a lot of our dreams have been killed. Uh, but the hope of the gospel is, the hope of the cross is, is that he is the God who raises the dead. And while he may not make things all better, from your standards, you can trust on Easter Sunday he's going to make them all. He's making things all new. So we sit in our despair and in the sadness of our broken and lost dreams on Good Friday, but we know that God is going to do something that we could ne- would never expect. He's going to raise the yeah. dead. Yeah, and I think you know one of the things you can really tie in this year as well, just to add on to that, and that's exactly right, Jake. Uh, and I think that your word about pastoral sensitivity and as you preach this is so important. Um, because people are feeling really raw mm. and scared and sad and angry and all of that. And um, and in a time that I don't think you and I, it's like this is a time like we have never faced. Uh, you and I preach on Sunday to a congregation and we might know the problems that are there. And there's some people that are in a really bad way, but there's other people that are sort of basically okay or they <laughs> yeah. think they're okay or they're kind of like medium okay. Yeah. And this is a time when like nobody's okay. And the thing is, it's going to get worse. Yeah. Like there are there are a lot of parts of the country that are not yet like New York, but will get like New York. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's mark my word, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, and and so the financial losses, the the losses of life, uh, the grief that's coming, it's all very real. And what Good Friday says is that God, we are all surprised that things are as bad as they are. Yeah. And when it gets worse, we're going to be even more surprised that it got worse. But what Good Friday says is that there's no place so dark that God is not there. Jesus Christ, every step of the way, it got worse. From Palm Sunday on, it just went down, 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 and it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And Jesus was there every single step of the way. He went to the bottom. And mm-hmm. so as bad as it's going to get, the message for Christians is not we should be surprised or that we've done something wrong or anything like that. The message is that God knew all along and he's already there. He's been there from the beginning. Amen. Jesus Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world. We just forgot that a little bit and we're being reminded, but God is with us and he's with us not because he's going to make it all better. It, it'll it change. It'll maybe get better. Um, but what the, the message is that... Um, we are never separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He's always there with us in the suffering, in the death, in the pain, in the grief. He's with us, um, not not as someone who is who doesn't know what it is, but as someone who is experiencing it and um, is always experiencing it because mm. of who he is. Yes. Amen. 
That is, um, that would, gosh, Aaron, that's such an encouraging place in the midst of the death of Jesus. Um, encouraging place to, to, to kind of chill out and yeah. um, maybe close this episode up. Yeah, I think so. And uh, we have not been much active on the uh, social meds these days. Uh, we'll try to get more so uh, preachers out there so you can have just a feeling that you, you know you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Whether you're at a big church or a little church, um, every preacher is feeling the weight of this and how to communicate in this new world and um, know that we are praying for you. We ask that you pray for us and um, may God bless you in the preaching of his word. Amen. Somebody's looking, somebody cares. Somebody wonders what you're doing today. You know we crucified him, buried him, but three days later, well, the stone got rolled away. And yes, Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, We would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.